Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing this week? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Pretty well. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Hey, I'm really looking forward to today's episode, but first I want to share with all of our listeners, we hope you're enjoying listening to our podcast as much as we enjoy creating it. One of the things we really love is reading reviews from our listeners. So here's a review that we got just a couple days ago. I stumbled across this podcast by accident, and it was just what I needed to hear. The topics are so relevant to my family and full of wisdom from mothers who have walked this path before me. I'm thanking God for what I've learned. You know, ratings and reviews bump our podcast up on iTunes searches, so it's more easily stumbled across by other adoptive and foster moms like you. Even a really short two-word review helps, and I'll just mention five-star ratings help too. Yeah, we do do love those. We love all the feedback. We've really enjoyed hearing from you guys. So if you're not quite sure how to leave a review on iTunes, just head to your iTunes app and go to the search function, type in the adoption connection, will show up under shows, click on our show, and then scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll see the ratings and reviews. And then you'll also see a link to add your own. And so if you could just take a quick second to do that, there are so many foster and adoptive moms out there who are just feeling like they're at the end of their rope. And so we would just love to be able to connect with them and help them feel like they're not alone. So this week we are talking about foster care and we are the Adoption Connection and a lot of the topics we have covered apply to both foster and adoptive families, but we understand that we have a lot of parents and families who are foster families and thought it would be a good topic to cover. So Lisa, I know that you guys are currently foster parents after being just an adoptive family for a long, long time. So I'm actually kind of curious to know how that even came about. Well, it came about in kind of an interesting and unexpected way. I was starting a ministry at my church for foster families, to support foster families and also to support our department. Of We have health and welfare here in the state of Idaho is what it's called. And um, so I had been interacting with the social workers at health and welfare, trying to assess what their needs were and how we could best help and support them. And they had a need for someone to supervise a family visit. So I had... I was supervising maybe for the first or second time. I'd have to think about it. It must have been the first time, actually. And we had gone to pick up one of the siblings, and the other two siblings were arriving with another caseworker. And so I had talked with this young teen just a tiny bit in the car. And that visit ended up deteriorating quite rapidly and sort of dramatically with one of the younger siblings. And so that night, probably actually just a couple hours later in the evening, I got a call from the caseworker asking if we might consider taking this teen girl, the oldest sibling, for the night. And I was completely surprised. You know, we were thinking about doing foster care someday. 
And we were still very much grieving the loss of our daughter who we'd lost in an accident um, not that long before. Maybe it was a year. I wish I could remember for sure. It must have been about a year before. And anyhow, foster care was maybe going to be in our future someday. Well, I checked with Russ and I said, what do you think about just having this teen girl for one night? Because we'd also said that we would not ever go out of birth order again. So part of why we thought we'd wait on foster care is we'd let our kids grow up a little bit first. And anyhow, um, Russ was open to it. So I picked this girl up. She did not know me having just met me for the first time that day. It was quite frightening for her. She came to our home that night and, um, She's been with us now for two and a half years. <laughs> so that is the fun and interesting and unexpected thing about foster care is it is so, well, it's filled with the unexpected. I think I remember talking with my friend, Mike Berry, probably the very next day. And Russ was sitting with me and, and um, Mike said, he was messaging me and he said, well, whatever they tell you, just add three years. And I said, Mike, you are not helping me at all here. And here we are at two and a half years. And I told him not too long ago when I was talking with him, I said, yep, you were right. Just add three years. I do think our situation's a little unusual. It's much longer than a foster placement usually is, but it's worked out quite beautifully. And she's a wonderful girl. We had that experience too, where we brought an older, actually a young adult home just for a night. I had a friend who was pretty sure it was going to work out that he would be able to go stay there long-term, but it was very last minute. And I didn't want to throw that on them without any notice. So he was, had been living on the streets for a couple of days by the time we had reconnected with them and figured out that was going on. And so I said, well, you can't do that tonight. You know, you need to, you know, at least come home with us for tonight and then we'll figure it out, you know, and then a year later. <laughs> so it's funny how those, one night's turn into one years or multiple years in your case. So, yes. Yeah. It's really interesting how that happens. And I, I think for me, it was the way that God sort of moved us forward in something that we didn't think we were ready for, but he knew we were, and he knew that this girl needed us. And in some ways we needed her. She's really been a blessing to us. I love that. I love when that's the way that, the perspective is that they don't really need us as much as we need them. So I think that's super true. So this week, our guest is Teresa Mansfield, and she lives with her family in Texas. She is a parent trainer and coach who motivates overwhelmed moms wanting connected relationships with their children. She also does a lot of educating of caregivers and professionals and churches on the effects of toxic stress and trauma, and then how to begin healing. She was a delight to talk to, just so much wisdom, and she's an internet friend of mine, you know, one of those people that we meet on Facebook support groups who really understands us and gets us, and we have talked via phone quite a few times, and I just enjoy every second that I talk to her. Well, I really enjoyed listening to the interview. And I, I know that in the middle of the interview, I texted you and said, I want to be her friend. So I think everybody's really going to enjoy this interview with Teresa. Let's, let's hear it now. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for being here today on the Adoption Connection podcast. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I know that you have a long 
journey of serving kids in the foster care system. Besides giving really good, helpful advice, we also love people's stories. And I know that through your story that you have learned a lot of lessons and you will also have a lot of great tidbits that I know that parents can take away. So will you just start by telling us a little bit about how you guys found yourself as foster parents? I love our story. We had a biological son after experiencing some years of infertility. And then we had secondary infertility. And that was okay with us because it opened our home to other children who needed some space and other children who needed some family. And as youth ministers, that often looked like kids just staying over for a few nights or there were times when kids stayed for months and one even for a couple years. And this was our family. Eventually down the road, we decided we really did want to grow our family. So we had a private adoption. We went through a private agency. After that experience, we realized what we actually really wanted to do was foster care. The funny thing is, we adopted our first placement. And because of her medical needs and attachment needs, she needed us to focus on her and our other children for a little while. So we went from there into respite and still had kids coming in and out of our doors and eventually went into full-time foster care again. I love that story, partially because it resonates with me. My parents were in youth ministry for a long, long time. Actually, my dad still is in a volunteer capacity. And my husband and I served teens and youth in that capacity on and off in our journey together. And we just have a huge heart for that population. I remember growing up, we had similar situation, not quite the revolving door, but I can name a couple situations where my parents had a child or a young adult come stay with us. And they always kind of had that open door policy and we didn't have a lot and we didn't have a huge house, but somehow there was always room for someone who needed space. And I don't know, it was, I think it has really shaped our journey as well. And so I love your heart for kids and even just how your kids that you're raising will see and benefit from that mindset. So that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I know that when we were in youth ministry, it was really easy to think, well, if I was this child's parent, I would do it this way. Or, you know, if only this child could experience this or that. And so when we got into adoption, one of our last adoption was an adoption of older children. And I remember thinking so naively in my head, like, oh, we love teenagers. We've done teenagers before. Our kids already in our home love teenagers. This is going to be a great fit for our family. So I don't know if you had similar expectations or naivetes as I did, but what was one of the biggest challenges that you tackled as you opened your home to foster children? Well, we did think we were pretty awesome parents. And, <laughs> and did think that we were going, we already knew what we needed to know and had lots of experience. And really from the beginning of our journey, we saw that we didn't know everything. And as we went forward through the years, our humbling continued. 
it, it didn't just end like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. No, every placement, we learned something new up to the very end, really. And probably our biggest challenge was putting all the pieces of trauma together. And by that, I mean our family is built because of traumatic beginnings. And when we would have kids coming in with new experiences, new stories, we had to learn to fit the children together. Rules might have to change. Safety, boundaries might have to change. And helping them to learn to get along with each other was a really big challenge. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, we've done that, and I know that in my head it always seems easier than it's going to be until it actually happens. And then you're like, oh, gosh, there are so many moving parts. There's so many intricacies to welcoming a new person into your home. And especially when that new person has a personality already and needs that are different than like when you open your home or welcome a new baby into your life, like you kind of in some ways can kind of mold and shape this new little being who, you know, has to kind of be at the, at your whim for a while (laughs) versus bringing in a person who talks and already has habits and all of those things. Um, Even just in our family, we just, welcomed back one of our adult children who had left and is now back. And so, you know, it's been a couple of years since she's been at home. And so we've had to kind of readjust, you know, all the wheels and the pieces that move. And so what would you say besides, it sounds like flexibility is a huge key to how you guys have done that really well. Are there other ways that you guys used to overcome that or other tools, resources that have been helpful along the way? Well, constantly having conversations with all the children, and it could be individually or together, conversations that build understanding and empathy and making sure that we are modeling that every day. Also, having lots of people in our lives who can help because there were times like um, for the past few years, my husband has been in grad school, and there were a lot of times when I was with all the children by myself. And so I had to learn to ask my neighbors for help and ask other people in the community to help out. And that was really hard for me, but it was helpful, so helpful for all of us and good for the children. I can totally relate to that because there are so many feelings mixed up into having to reach out for help in those situations. So what do you think you've learned about yourself and about just that act of having to rely on people around you, that interdependence? What do you think you've learned about yourself and about your family and about just even that whole model of interdependence? (laughs) Well, the Enneagram popped up in my head when you said that, and I am a helper. So helping... (laughs) It comes naturally to me, but it can also turn into an unhealthy thing. And so there were times when I was helping, helping, helping other people and wondering, why is no one helping me? What's what's going on here? Doesn't anyone see what I need? But as I learned that that's, as I learned about myself as a helper, then I realized, oh, I actually have to communicate. I have to communicate my needs 
to these people. And I also have to be okay with not getting the help right when I want it. That doesn't mean that I'm not loved or I'm not appreciated. It's just not time. As far as interdependence goes, really, I have learned so much about mutuality and that there's not anyone who is in more or less need throughout the totality of life than I am, but we are all equal image bearers of God and we get to work together in this story of, of healing and redemption. And it's an honor for us to all work together in that. And I think that the children, when they see the adults working together, it's helpful for them as they grow to accept interdependence. Yeah, I think in our culture, one of the things that our culture values is independence. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even as parents, sometimes we feel like one of our jobs is to raise, quote unquote, independent children. Our kids felt that. And I think we had that mindset for a very long time until I realized there are certain things that, of course, we want our children to be independent about. But maybe that culture of independence had really created some of the problems and the challenges that we were facing as a family and that interdependence and what you're that beautiful picture that you painted is really where the sweet spot is. You know, we don't want to necessarily be a burden and we want our children to learn healthy skills, but we don't want them to isolate themselves or think that they are less than because they need to reach out to someone for help. That's right. Talk to me about the act of getting help because I know that I talk to a lot of moms who say, I don't have any help. I've reached out for help before. No one wants to help me. And that could be very true. But I've also found that sometimes there are ways to ask for help that are more successful than others. Did you find that as you were reaching out to your community for support? If I were to think of specific ways, being specific about what you need is good, but also giving choices. Because a lot of times people say, they want to help. And when they ask us, we just, well, I don't really know. Or we think the only way they can help is to give us a break, right? Babysitting is what foster parents need <laughs> that is so hard to find. And so we feel like mm, there's about this many, you know, a really short list of people that we're going to let babysit our kids. So no thanks, I don't need your help. But if we get creative and we say, well, I could I could really use a meal when I have a new placement or if you could be on call to help me comb out lice or maybe, you know, someone who really likes housekeeping <laughs> and you can say, you know what, when we have new children come in the home, we end up with a lot of extra laundry because a lot of times there is lice. There could be a lot of vomiting and hygiene is lacking. There are so many things that, just cause this extra load of laundry for the first week or so and something like that. Just about anybody can help with laundry. Just about anyone can go order pizza. So whatever you can think that someone can do to lighten your load would help. I also want to speak to finding people to help because you mentioned that it seems like a lot of people have 
a hard time finding the people. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, definitely. So what, tell us all the secrets. (laughs) Well, (laughs) prayer, honestly, prayer, because I did have some pretty lonely times when it was just the five of us, even there was about a year that was really lonely for us. And it seemed like a lot of people were judging. And if they weren't judging, they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. And a lot of what I thought was judgment was me actually judging myself and my situation and shutting people out. But I knew I couldn't do this alone. So I started praying about it. I started praying for friends who would understand. And my list was really specific. Okay, God, I need friends who understand fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, who um, understand attachment challenges, attachment trauma, and you know, someone with who are who is like-minded would be really nice. Homeschoolers are cool, but maybe they don't have to be homeschoolers. I just really need this, God, and <laughs> that wasn't working for me because a lot of the people who did understand my situation were just as swamped as I was. So I kept asking and I had opportunities open up to meet new people. Our oldest son went to a new school and we actually moved to a new town. We um, went to a fairly large church for a while and um, my husband and I were working for the children's home of Lubbock and I started meeting new people who weren't exactly like me but wanted to know me. And that was a little scary because in the past, when people had gotten to know us, they were a little surprised by our daily life, by our experiences. And I wasn't sure I wanted to let these people really know me. But God showed me that if I wanted friends, I was going to have to let the walls down. And I was going to have to build bridges by helping them understand and also seeking to understand them. And I ended up with some pretty amazing friends who don't have foster children, who have never adopted or even thought about it, but because they got to know me and we love each other, they had a heart to understand and they got to see some of the behavioral symptoms And they didn't run away. They asked questions and they saw a need and said, wow, I see you really could use some support. What can I do for you? Or they would hear me say, you know, I haven't gotten to go grocery shopping in two weeks and I can't use the Walmart pickup because they keep charging my bank account twice and I can't afford that. So I don't have any groceries. I, we're living off of takeout right now, delivery, pizza. And I actually had one friend say, hey, I can do that. I can go grocery shopping for you. And she took my oldest daughter out for a treat and they went and got some groceries and came back. And that's all because I let the walls down and let her be my friend. I love that. So much of it 
gosh, in this parenting journey, unfortunately, comes back to us. And that can be a lot of pressure. And that's not the way I intend it at all. But it can also be very freeing because we ourselves are one thing that we can actually control. And so it might be a lot of hard work and it might feel like a lot of pressure, but in the end, it's not for naught. So I appreciate that. I mean, I think even thinking about this from a, a, you know, in business, people talk about like, you know, walk through your day and every time you do a task, think, is this something that can only be done by me or is this something I could delegate out to somebody? And I think there's something to that in our day-to-day lives when we're in this season where maybe we're in crisis or we just need a little bit of extra help because we're transitioning with a new placement that, you know, everything we do, is that something I could ask someone else to do and kind of being okay with people might say no, but people might say yes. And whether it's dishes or laundry or driving kids, we had friends that were just really faithful at picking our kid up from dance and bringing her home and, you know, just little things. And it was not a big deal for them. You know, they happened to be driving in a similar direction every week and we were able to capitalize on that. Um, But it made such a huge difference in our load, my mental load, you know, just, you know, it was just one less thing that we had to do. I also want to touch on something else you said. You were actually judging yourself that people were maybe not judging you in the way Mm -hmm. that you thought. And Brene Brown talks about the stories that we tell ourselves in some of her work. And do you want to expand on that just a little bit more about what you thought maybe people were thinking and then maybe what the actual reality was? I felt like people thought I was a bad parent because of things that my children would do. And we discuss things as symptoms in the world of trauma, but people who don't have the knowledge and understanding see those symptoms and often make the judgment of good or bad. Mm -hmm. And so I was seeing things from that perspective, not that I believed that they were good or bad, but I was putting that history, projecting that history onto what we were experiencing and thinking, okay, if people see this, they're going to think it's bad and they're going to think I'm a bad parent or they will cut off the relationship between our children because they don't understand. They don't know what to do. Really. I think what it came down to was, am I a bad parent? Yeah. Which gosh, isn't that like the question that rings in our ears, minds, and hearts every day is when we look at the landscape of the dynamics of our household, you know, gosh, are we, are we the cause of this? Are we in charge of this? Are we not doing something that could change this? And so it does, I think there's so much shame bottled up in there and a lot of it not warranted, right? Our kids come to us with so many challenges already and it really wouldn't matter where they were being raised or who they were being raised by, how they were expressing their hurt and their fear would look the same. That's right. So I think it was really, really brave of you to be able to put yourself out there. And it's so encouraging to just hear that it worked out, that there are people out there and who are great friends. And we have had the same experience. Some of the people that have been the most faithful in supporting us are not people who are exactly like us, but just people who took the time to get to know us 
long enough and to get to know our kids and love them well, even when they weren't acting very nice. Yeah. And you have to be willing to work through the hard times. You have to show people that you're not ashamed and you're not afraid of them, that this is, this is growth that they're witnessing and we're going to work through this together. And Hey, why don't you come alongside and be a part of it too? Those are really great words. So you guys are not currently licensed to foster. Is that right? That's right. So you've kind of come to the end of a season and I mean, I know it's not been a super long time since you guys closed your home to foster care, but even just looking back in the short time, now that you've had a little bit of respite and break, because you had a placement pretty much right up until the time that you guys closed your home to foster care, has your perspective changed at all? Or just even in that short time, looking back over this last season of having placements in your home? Yes. The last year that we had was our hardest year, which is incredible because we were the most experienced at that point, but it was the hardest on us as a family. And so during that time, I felt very heavy, wondered really what, what the future would look like. I felt like what we were experiencing was, well, it was our reality indefinitely. And I forgot Not every day, but a lot of times I forgot that God does take us through seasons and we do go through cycles of rupture and repair and that what we were experiencing at the time would not last forever. As we made the decision to close our home and we actually moved to a new home Um, It was surprising to see already the repair begin, even before our home was closed. The repair was beginning. We were coming out of that cycle, and it gave us hope for the next thing. There is now a season of repair. I was at times sad that that season was coming to an end, that Even though it was difficult towards the end, I was sad because it was something that I enjoy. Both my husband and I really enjoy the kids, and we feel that we have a lot to offer. So I wasn't sure exactly where God would lead us next, but I have learned in the past few months that we can be a part of their lives without being their parents, and we can encourage other foster parents. We can help them through the process. We can be there to pick up the groceries, to comb out the lice and help with the laundry. We can deliver the meals and also be there as an experienced emotional support. You're like the perfect helper now because you've been there and you know exactly what is helpful. I mean, that's just such a beautiful gift to the people that you'll serve and the families that you'll support. So I love that. I do too. And I also, what you said about repair, and I think when we came out of our season of crisis, I didn't even realize how much repair there was to do. I guess it's almost like that frog in boiling water, you know, it goes in into cold water. And then if you turn up the heat really, really slowly, it cooks before it even realizes what's happening to it, right? Right. 
And I feel like that was kind of like our season. We, in some ways our crisis hit us like a ton of bricks, but in some ways we were like that frog in boiling water and we were just putting one foot in front of the other and we were in survival mode. And so as we just kept our eyes looking forward and just kept surviving, we were unaware of the toll and the price that we were paying. And not that I would change any of it necessarily. It was a very, very hard experience, but we learned so much. And I think even though it felt like we weren't gaining any ground with our kids some days, as we have had the privilege of being able to look back on that time and all of the kids are in different stages now, I can see where those years of the really, really hard were not fruitless, but there has been a long season of recovery. Definitely not at the end of that, of our season of recovery, even within myself, knowing and loving so many children and their stories, I end up with a lot of that hurt inside myself. And there are times when I think I'm ready for a certain activity, or I think I'm ready to watch a certain kind of show or read a certain kind of book. Mm -hmm. And it just triggers all of that and brings it all back. And I think it's time to go back to EMDR actually. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to talk about because a lot of times I think as parents who have walked through really hard times, we think we can just get through the season. And then, you know, once the child in our midst, who's been really fragile, who has been really hard. If, you know, if you're a foster parent, once they reunify or once they have a new placement or whatever it looks like, or if you're in a situation where maybe a child has to go to out of home placement, as soon as our child is out of the home receiving treatment, then we can just, we'll just go back, you know, like, and, and humans are resilient, but we didn't bounce back the way that I had envisioned that we would bounce back. And I think it's important for parents listening to know that it's okay to recognize the hurt and the grief and the things that you carry from those seasons. And kind of like we talked about in the last episode with newborns, like it's almost easier when someone tells you it's going to happen. So that way when it happens, you don't falsely assign causation for the feelings you're having or for the struggles you're having to something else. You might because you're not even giving yourself permission to say what we went through was really hard and it's okay that I'm feeling this way. Mm -hmm. Now that you are veteran foster parents and have now moved into a different season, what would you tell other families thinking about venturing into foster care? What do you wish you had known? I think it's a good idea to set aside everything you think you know about parenting and be willing to learn from the people around you, willing to learn from those who are more experienced, and also willing to learn from the children that you receive into your home. And also, I would say, start right now building your support network. Mm, That's really good, because let me tell you, I think all of the things we talked about in terms of how to get support are so great. But one of the things that makes it feel so hard when you're in the midst of crisis or just needing the support is it's just one more thing to do. And it almost feels like it's not worth it when you have 
all your energy still in the beginning, it's so much easier to gather that support network because you kind of need them in place. Like you said, it would be so much easier if you had them in place before you actually needed them. I think that's fantastic advice. Yeah. And if you're going to go to trainings, bring a friend, bring your support network with you. If you're reading a book and you're thinking, wow, I think this is really going to help me in foster care or whatever this journey is your beginning, then share that. Share that with your family. Share it with your support network, your friends, your coworkers, whoever is willing to listen and wants to understand, bring them alongside and let them learn with you. And then be honest. Be honest about the struggles. Be honest about the journey. And be willing to listen if they are telling you that, you know, you need to let me help you. (laughs) Or have you thought about this? You know, be open to your support network. Mm, That's really good. I do remember a friend of mine a couple years ago said she wanted to get into foster care and she knew that our journey had been really hard. And she said, what should I do? And I really wrestled with it for a while because part of me wanted to say, don't do it. You know, just you have other kids in your home that you need to think about and, and don't think about it yet in the season. But what we did instead was I said, you need to gather your tribe around you and we're going to do a four week study over the summer. And we watched some of the videos from the Institute of Child Development out of Texas Christian University, some of Dr. Karen Purvis's work. And I said, your tribe is going to need to know what this is going to look like and how to help you. And so we did that and she was willing to do it. And I thought, okay, you guys are going to be okay. Because we had laid so much foundational groundwork of all the things that we had never done before our adoption story. So that's amazing. I wish someone had done that for us. I know, right? I mean, there's so many, it's still different, right? You still don't know until you've lived through it. But can you just imagine, you know, walking, having someone say it could get hard and being pretty honest about what that hard might look like. And the videos from the Institute do a pretty good job of that. And then to have experienced that with your closest group of friends who says at the end of that study, I get it. Well, I get it as much as I can and we're committed and we'll be here for you and, you know, and we'll be proactive about reaching out to you and maybe just showing up with a meal or showing up and doing your laundry without you even having to ask. And so it was just such a beautiful picture of community and talk a little bit to the folks who are listening, who are currently foster parents or even adoptive parents. And they're in kind of what we call the trenches Mm -hmm. are struggling there where you were in that, you know, first year after your first daughter came home or even in the last year with your most recent placement, what would you want to tell folks who are every day walking through those challenges that you have already walked? I want to encourage you to honor your feelings and respect your limitations and the limitations of your family. Just because you might have time does not mean you have the emotional, physical, mental resources to give everything that comes your way. And if right now you are needing to focus on the children in your home, then that's enough. And anything else that you're doing I truly believe needs to be first 
about you, about your spiritual, physical, and mental strength, then everything else is about taking care of your family. And all the other things, they are extras. And you need to decide if they are important enough of an extra to be considered in your time, in your schedule, in your thoughts, even. I recently heard someone talk about spinning plates, and I think she was actually, it was um, glass bowls that she was talking about, but I've tweaked it a little bit and um, recently talked to my son about this. We can be spinning lots of plates at a time. Some of them are glass, some of them may be more like Corel, and others are paper plates. And so there's some that if we drop them, they're going to shatter. And so we shouldn't drop those plates. Those are the glass plates. And then the Corel, well, they might be okay if we drop those. The paper plates, definitely. We can throw them in the garbage and forget about them. We don't have to give them any more consideration. So when you find yourself in that place where what's happening in your home feels all consuming, then it's time to start looking at the plates you're spinning and deciding which ones are paper and can be thrown away and which ones are Corel and don't need as much attention. And I'm going to tell you the glass ones are definitely, well, some of the glass ones are definitely the ones that are taking care of you so that you then have the spiritual, physical, and mental health to take care of your children. Yeah, I know we've talked about this in other venues, and we're kind of on similar journeys towards this. I have grossly underestimated. I mean, people have always talked about self-care, and I'm kind of like, nah, nah, nah. Um, Because, you know, because I was, you know, I had a higher capacity, or I had more energy, or you know, I had time, you know, the thing that you said, we're like, just because you have time doesn't mean you have all the other capacities. And a year ago, I would have argued with you, you know, when you said that, I was like, oh, that's so not true. But really, my experience shows that we need to honor ourselves more. And I love that you said that, because I think it's a message that we need to hear more often. And it's not even just about ourselves. I think we grossly underestimate the trickle-down effect that it has on our children, our ability to even see what's going on in our families from different perspectives, and our ability to problem-solve. I hear a lot of people say, this thing's going on in our family, and I don't even, there is no way out of it. I just can't even think of a way out of it. And I know it feels weird, but there's this thing where when we take care of ourselves and we start to fill our cups back up a little bit, all of a sudden these things that didn't seem to be possibilities before, all of a sudden our creative juices start flowing and and all of a sudden there's a new idea or a new way to look at something, a new trick to try. And we thought we were, you know, we had scraped the bottom of the barrel and there was nothing left and and that perspective is everything. And and even back I think in episode maybe six, Robin Goebel's episode she talks about how our kids are picking up billions of pieces of implicit information. And if we're providing, if we're empty, 
then we're providing a lot of scary, unstable, implicit information to our kids, and that can have a trickle-down effect as well. And so we need to be the best we, the best moms, the best selves that we can be, so that even just the implicit information that our body is giving off to our kids is one of the tools that they have to co-regulate and calm down. Yeah. And really, it all comes down to stress, right? Behavior is stress. That's what we see. And so a stressed out parent can't calm a stressed out child. We hear that all the time. And so we, that's why we have to start with ourselves. It is for the benefit of others. So we have to look at our stress level and our stress symptoms. Like, are we having trouble problem solving? Are we being impulsive? Are we saying things that we wouldn't normally say? Are we forgetting things? Then it's, it's time. It's time to look at our self-care. Yeah, I love that. Well, Teresa, I am so thankful for your story. I'm thankful for your teachable heart and all the different ways that you've allowed your journey to mold and shape you and then how you are turning around and giving it back to people. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us. Well, this was a lot of fun. It was nice talking to you. I really love that interview with Teresa. She just is such a warm and wonderful person. So compassion filled. Yeah, I told you, you're going to love her. She's great. (laughs) She really is. You know, my favorite part probably in the interview is when she talked about how to ask for help, because it's hard. A lot of us don't know how we don't, you know, we'll say people will say things like, let me know if you need any help. And we are like, I don't even know where to start with that, but she gave some really practical ideas and I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. And I think we're probably both going to steal that plate analogy. I love to speak in analogies. So I'm going to tuck that one in my back pocket to use for another day. Me too. I love that. All right. Well, if you would like to connect with Teresa, she is on Facebook facebook.com slash Teresa Mansfield dot coach. So Teresa spells her name T-E-R-E-A-S-A Mansfield, M-A-N-S-F-I-E-L-D dot coach on Facebook. So, and she's also M Teresa on Instagram. So if you're driving or you didn't catch all of that spelling, you can always head to the show notes where we'll have links to all of the places you can connect with Teresa. And then also at the show notes, we have a special download called eight ways to help an adoptive or foster mom. So if you're struggling with how to find help for your family, sometimes Even just using this handout to hand to people is helpful, a way to educate them that doesn't take too much energy from you. It can also maybe just give you some ideas of ways that you can reach out and communicate to your tribe, ways that they can support you. So again, the download and all the ways to connect to Teresa are at theadoptionconnection.com slash 12. We've come to the part in the podcast that we call Mentor Moments, where we answer a listener's question. Today's question is, how can I tell if a behavior is due to trauma and adoption or just typical kid behavior? So what's funny about this question is that, Melissa, when you sent it to me and said, let's do this question this week, I think I responded something like, that is the story of my life, trying to figure that out. (laughs) 
I don't know. I got that message from you and I literally laughed out loud. It just cracked me up. So I figured, well, this is a good one because we've said this before, but we are walking right alongside all of you. So my answer to this question may sound familiar. It's a little bit like my thoughts on diagnoses, but I often hear this question and I often ask back, does it matter? Does distinguishing the root of a behavior matter at the, in the end, practically, because I'm a super practical person, in how we're going to deal with it? And one of the things that I think is a misconception with a lot of parents, and I think I fell on this wagon myself before I really got into connected parenting, is you know that behavior is communication. We hear that a lot. And I think sometimes we try to qualify only behavior due to trauma or adoption or loss is communication and that those behaviors are the ones that we need to be behavior detectives about and kind of figure out the need behind the behavior. But really, even for our neurotypical kids or our kids who have had adverse experiences that just have typical kid behavior sometimes, behavior is still communication for everyone from every child, even from adults. So I think if we're thinking about it that way, the beauty of connected parenting tools is it takes the pressure off of us to have to figure out the root of the behavior. If we can just figure out what it's communicating, all the tools work, all the same tools work for any behavior, whether it's due to trauma or if it's just a typical kid behavior. So have I solved all your problems, Lisa? <laughs> you have solved every problem I have in the world. Thank you so much, Melissa, for that. Really appreciate it. You're a great work partner. Well, if you would like to submit a question for a future episode, send an email to email at theadoptionconnection.com or leave a message on our voicemail at 208-741-3880. And nobody answers it. It doesn't ring anywhere. So do not worry about that. Just Call us up and leave us your question. And if you need more personalized help, we also offer private coaching. For more information on that, you can head to theadoptionconnection.com forward slash services. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.